The Guardian. Welcome, Ali Carter, to the Guardian Children's Books podcast. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Now, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to read us a little extract from your new book, All Fall Down, which is the first in the Embassy Row series. That's right. So this is chapter one. When I was 12, I broke my leg jumping off the wall between Canada and Germany, I say, but the woman across from me doesn't even blink. I don't ask whether or not she has ever heard the story. I'm pretty sure she probably has, but I keep talking anyway. My brother said that the fall would probably kill me, but it just broke my right femur in three places. I totally showed him. I see, the woman says, stony-faced, and I go on. I fractured my left forearm when I was 10 and dislocated my right shoulder five months later. Have you ever been to Fort Benning, I ask, but I don't really wait for an answer. Well, you might think that big tree outside the officer's club is climbable. Trust me, it isn't. Okay, uh, where was I? Oh, 14 was the year of the concussion. There were two of them. We were stationed in San Diego then. I didn't break my ankle until we moved to Alabama. I take a deep breath, and that brings me to now. Now I'm here. And you're not bleeding, the woman says. What an excellent start. So in answer to your question, Mrs. Chancellor, oh, it's Ms. Chancellor Grace. I'm not married. Sorry, Ms. Chancellor, I don't mean to get into trouble. Trouble just sort of finds me. Behind her dark-rimmed glasses, I can see a glint in Ms. Chancellor's brown eyes. Her mouth ticks up in something that isn't quite a smirk, but definitely isn't a smile. I can tell she doesn't believe me, but I also know that she would like to. Everyone wants me to be different than advertised. Grace, the new and improved edition. What Miss Chancellor can't possibly realize is how nobody wants that more than me. Well, let's hope Trouble doesn't have your change of address card, she says. Your grandfather would like this to be a fresh start for you, Grace. A new city, a new home. We would like this to be a chance for you to get away from your issues. She could have tried to be nice about it, to be, you know, diplomatic. That is the purpose of this place, after all. But I guess diplomacy doesn't always extend to teenage girls with my sort of reputation. Is that all? Miss Chancellor smiles a little. It's almost like she's daring me to top myself. Well, I did watch my mother die right in front of my eyes when I was 13. But you already knew all about that, didn't you, Ms. Chancellor? She recoils as I say this. People always do. To tell you the truth, that's kind of why I do it. I mean, it's not like avoiding the topic of the fire will bring my mother back. It won't make me unsee what I saw. And besides, I know Miss Chancellor really wants me to ask about it, to see if I'm crazy as advertised. This is her chance, if she's crazy enough to take it. Brilliant opening, Ali. What an exciting book. Now, we've got some questions here by teenage site members. I'm asking most of them on behalf of those. Wonderful. I'm gonna, yeah. So I'm going to start off with some questions by our site member afflicted by books. How much research do you usually do before writing your books or even the whole series? It really depends on the books, and it's always stuff that people don't expect me to have researched. So, for example, with embassy or with um, high society, 
They always expect me to have done a lot of research into different types of security systems and vaults and how locks work and things. No, I haven't done any of that research. But I did do a lot of research about, for example, a Holocaust art or about precious gems or, or whatever is sort of we're stealing in that book. And with Embassy Row, I did a little bit of research on how embassies work and how um, it would be to actually grow up in an environment such as that. And I also did a lot of research about the fictional country of Adria. So even though Adria is entirely my creation, I know in my mind kind of where it is and kind of what it's like. And so I wanted the you know fictional history to be as close or as inspired by actual history as I could get it. I mean, it's funny, but I think a lot of people will be Googling it and <laughs> thinking it's a real place because it does feel so vivid and real. Absolutely. Well, I think that the world is a big, vast place. And so, you know, I've, I've heard Meg Cabot talk about how people always want to know when they can go to Genovia, which is, of course, where the Princess Diaries was set. And so if you tell people often enough that your place is real, they will eventually believe you. Yes, they will. I almost I almost <laughs> did myself. So have you actually visited places like that? So you visited the Mediterranean. It's kind of set in Italy, kind Ish. of, isn't it? And so I have not, no. But I've always been fascinated with Istanbul and Turkey and how it basically one side of the bridge you're in Europe and one side of the bridge you're in Asia. And it's, you know, sort of the crossroads of the world. And so I always thought that Adria would be a little bit like that and a little bit like Greece and maybe a little bit like Italy and just kind of all of these wonderful places sort of put in a blender and just plopped down somewhere on the Mediterranean. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ali, you used to be an economist. Is that correct? That is correct. So um, would you describe yourself as a bit of a political animal? <laughs> Not really. When I was doing my economics day job, I was more of an agricultural economist. And so I helped farmers and ranchers with the business aspects of farming and ranching. I do follow politics a little bit like during an election year or something. But for the most part, I tend to gravitate more toward happy things aside from politics. I think there's just a lot of infighting and things that goes on in that. And I think if I followed it too terribly closely, I would find myself just incredibly frustrated. So you really prefer to just make it all up? It's much more fun just to make it up. <laughs> so do you carry a notebook around with you where you come up with these complicated plots? How do you make those up? And A, a lot of thinking, a lot of talking. I don't always have a notebook with me, but I am very good at taking notes on my phone. And then I do have an actual physical notebook for every book that I've written. And so I will sit down and just have pages and pages in there of just lists of these are the different options available to me. And so it's never that I don't have any ideas, it's that I have way too many ideas. And so I have to sort of try to constantly be paring those down to say, okay, you know, this is 15 different ways that this could play out. I have to pick the one way. And sometimes that means I write three or four versions that don't work before I get to the one who works. So mostly it's trial and error. So do you have the plot worked out? Did you have the plot for All Fall Down worked out before you finished it? Or you as surprised as I was <laughs> to finish it? I knew um, very early on what the twist at the end was going to be. Not from the very beginning. I did not set out to write that particular twist. But I knew that there had to be a twist because 
what's the fun of having a book that doesn't have a twist? And so I figured out what that twist was going to be fairly early. But I didn't know all the little details. So I like to use the analogy of it's kind of like a road trip. And on my road trip, I know I'm going to travel to these three cities. And along the way, I'm going to see these three landmarks. Um, but I don't know what you know hotel I'm going to stay at or what restaurant I might eat at or where my car might break down. So I kind of discover the little things as I go along. How many Embassy Row books are you actually planning? Right now, the plan is for three. That's how many I have under contract, and that's how many I'm aiming for. However, because I don't plan things out super in detail, there is probably some wiggle room if I can't get it all into three books that I may do four or something. I would like to think that that might be an option. Um, but I, at, the, at this point, I'm almost finished writing book two, and I think I can probably wrap it up pretty well in three. Are they all going to be narrated by Grace? Yes, they're all in Grace's voice in that first person, present tense point of view, because that was probably one of the biggest decisions that I made when I sat down to write this series is what point of view am I going to write it in? And the decision to write in present tense was really an important one because Grace is a character who doesn't have perspective. Like Grace is not looking back on things that happened six months ago or six years ago. She is right here right now, and it is a struggle for her just to live through this moment and so present tense was very very important yeah interesting she's a quite an unreliable narrator isn't she <laughs> she so is I she like really that about is. her though <laughs> okay now bookie cookie she wants to know why did you choose to make grace in embassy row so unlike heron she normally reads about but she thought she was a very interesting character because of her clumsiness and her lack of self-confidence <laughs> It's quite surprising. (laughs) Well, I think we all feel clumsy and not self-confident most of the time. Grace is just somebody who has had a really hard go of it. And so she gets very bristly and very defensive because, you know, she's kind of like a porcupine. So she sticks out those little, you know whatever the porcupine things are called, needles or (laughs) spines or whatever. And she's not going to let anybody get close to her because she's so fragile underneath. And that was very important for me, for her. And I knew I wanted to write about a character who doesn't necessarily have these super skill sets. So I'm used to writing about a girl who goes to a high-end boarding school for spies or a girl who's the daughter of the world's best art thief. And so they just come to the book with this tremendous skill set and I wanted to do something different and so I wanted to do about a girl write about a girl who basically her superpower is just her toughness she is just she's lived through everything so far and she doesn't care what she has to do she's just going to put on every ounce of defense that she has and she's going to make it through can I just quote to you yes please (laughs) um This is something that Grace says. I've been surrounded by boys and men my whole life, always making me feel smaller and weaker and different. Now, there's a lot about Grace's frustration, isn't there, about that and about not being believed and just feeling weak. Now, can you tell us a bit about why you wrote it like that? I came up with the decision very early on for Grace to have a big brother because I realized that I had written so far all um, main characters who were only children. And A, that's not very realistic. I don't know many only children. Certainly I know some. But 
B, you know, I think sibling relationships are really, really important and they, they play a big role in shaping who we are. And I liked the idea of Grace being raised largely by this, you know, sort of army tough guy dad and this brother who's sort of a mini version of army tough guy dad. And then how, how are you supposed to be a little girl in that household? And you aren't. There's no room for that sort of softness or femininity, especially after her mother passed away. And so I could see Grace just the only way she knew how to survive was to try to be as tough as the men in her life. And so I think that that played a huge role in shaping of who that character was. But there's this kind of undercurrent of disempowerment, not to want to get too heavy about <laughs> yeah. things. And, um, you know, she gets really cross when all the men go off to talk about man stuff and yes. she gets upset about that. Is it something that you get upset about, so many men being still now the ones <laughs> who are at the CEOs and powerful positions in politics? Is that something that personally it annoys you? It, it does. It bothers me as a woman to see the default being, you know, what does the man have to say? It, it very much bothers me. And I think about the scientific studies that you see about when girls speak 50% of the time in a class and you poll the teachers after the class or you poll the other people in the class and their opinion will be that the girls, quote unquote, dominated the discussion because they contributed 50% of the opinions. And in crowd scenes in movies, women make up 30% of the crowds in your average movie. Just like, you know, two dudes walking down the street, they're going to pass, you know, 70% other dudes. And so, you know, women take up 51% of the population, but we're supposed to take up 30% of the space. And so that very much bothers me. And I think that that's the kind of thing that would absolutely make Grace want to burn something to the ground. <laughs> She's very spunky. She is. Now, Life is Sweet in Books, another site member, she wants to know what you were like when you were a teenager. And if you could visit yourself in your teens, what would you say to yourself? Ooh. As a teenager, I was very driven and very focused. I worked very, very hard. I grew up on a small cattle operation. I grew up on a ranch in Oklahoma, and I didn't have a brother. And so I had an older sister, and so my dad called me boy. He still does most of the time. And so I just grew up doing all of the quote-unquote man work because it had to be done. And so I think that that has definitely shaped a lot of who I am now, it definitely shapes the types of characters that I write about. You know, I tend to write about girls who grew up in male-dominated family businesses, and that's absolutely me. And so if I could go back and talk to teenage me, I think probably what everybody would say to teenage them is it's going to be okay. You're going to make good friends, and you're going to have a good job, and you need to just chill, and it's all going to work out. Can you really remember what it's like to be a teenager? Yes, yeah. yeah, I think most YA authors do. Yeah. I think we're all still that geeky kid in the back of the class. <laughs> yeah. What can we expect from Grace in upcoming books? We get the feeling she's going to get more empowered as the series goes on. She is. Grace is definitely not out of the woods yet. Things are getting ready to get even more intense for her. See How They Run is the sequel. It will be out hopefully early 2016. And, you know, it's a lot more international intrigue. It's a lot more boy drama. It's a lot more boys with their shirts off. It's a lot more <laughs> just everything. Everything gets heightened and a little, the world gets bigger and bigger and, and the problems get bigger and bigger. Is her brother going to actually be in it? Yes, we okay. actually get to see and meet Jamie. He is a character and see how they run. And I'm very excited about that. Oh, great. We can't let you go without talking a little bit about your amazing Gallagher Girl series, which our site members absolutely love. So Bookie Cookie, again, wanted to know, have you ever wanted to be a spy yourself? 
Yes, I think everybody wants to be a spy a little bit. You know, everybody walks through the parking garage and is like, okay, I'm going to remember the license plates of all these cars in case I need to, you know, give witness testimony eventually or something. You know, you always want to know, you know, you get on the airplane and you're like, okay, who's on this airplane is probably an undercover air marshal. You, you try to think in terms of who here is not what they appear to be. And so absolutely, I think that way all the time. Because we hear that you were a big Nancy Drew fan yes. when you were growing up. So I do you loved, think that's influenced you? Absolutely. I love Nancy Drew. I've always loved, you know, spy movies and spy shows. And so I like the cheesy, campy ones. I, you know, like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Pretty much give me anything with spies. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the new Melissa McCarthy movie that's about a spy. So I'm, I think that's going to be amazing. Would you love your books to be made into movies? Of course. Yeah, that's, you know, I think all authors, you know, we would love that because it's just a massive commercial for the books. Plus, I just really love movies. And so it would be amazing. And hopefully someday that might happen, you know, that both the properties are under option, both High Society and Gallagher Girls are under option with great people who are working toward that goal. So will it happen? We don't know. But at this point, we're trying Oh, brilliant. So. <laughs> well, watch the space on that one. Yeah. Will you ever write any more Gallagher Girls books? Or is that it? Probably not. Um, probably Cammy's story, I feel, is pretty complete. I could potentially return to that world at some point. You know, I, I do like to daydream about, you know, if I were to ever write a Gallagher Girls, the new class, or, um, you know, maybe doing some kind of something with the Blackthorn Academy or with maybe a prequel when Rachel and Abby were in school Ooh, at Gallagher. I've even thought about, well, maybe I should do the historical Gallagher book about in the 1800s and Jillian Gallagher founding the school. And must do that. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's, again, no shortage of ideas. You just kind of have to figure out which one you want to do. And, <laughs> and I'm always teasing my readers that I'm going to do some kind of, you know, like little Christmas stories or something. So maybe I'll do something like that. Who knows? Bookie Cookie also wanted to say that she loves the teachers at Gallagher Academy. She wanted to know if any of them are based on your real teachers. That's a great question. I don't know if I've ever had that question. A little bit, probably. Um, probably the biggest one would be my mom was an English teacher in my high school and was the senior class sponsor and was just a very important, very well-respected member of the faculty there. And so that was one of the main reasons I decided to have Cammie's mom be the headmistress of the school. Because when your parents, when your mom or your dad works at the school, you don't get away with anything because they're right there. Like your mom is literally right next door and she hears you through the wall and so it's just I, I really really wanted Cammie to have that experience of not only do you have this amazing ally who's always on campus with you but you don't ever really get to get away from your parents perspective in that way and so that was definitely something I wanted to bring to the Cammy character. Um, now I've got just a couple more questions. Mars Bar 27, did you always want to be an author when you were growing up? I wanted to be an author right after I read the book The Outsiders by Essie Hinton, which I don't know if in the UK it's as big as it is in the States, but in the States it's a book that pretty much everybody has to read, either in middle school or high school. And the author Essie Hinton is actually from Tulsa, which is where I live now. And so I grew up about an hour outside of Tulsa. And as soon as I found out that she you know, was from near where I was from, I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I never knew that people from here could do that. And so from that point forward, I, I really, really wanted to be an author, but I never dreamt I would actually get to 
If you could have a superpower, what would it be? That question's from Life is Sweet in Books. Time travel. Obviously time travel because then you go back to like 1982 and you buy Apple stock and you, you know, you make all these really, really wonderful decisions Is that in really hindsight. where you'd go? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but yes, I would, I, I think time. But then, you know, you get into the whole slippery slope of do you mess things up more by doing that. So I don't know. I think that I'd have to go time travel. Well, Ali, it's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for answering all of our questions. Well, thank you. And we can't wait to read the next Embassy Roadbook, see how they run. Yep. Thank you, Ali. Thank you. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.